0: It's got to be relationships. I think it all comes down to that. And we've talked about it a lot today. But, you know, I just, we can't hammer that point home enough because that is the linchpin to a community and to a culture. And when that's not there, it's really hard to be a successful school. And it just feels very forced and almost like pulling teeth. And so I think when you start with that in mind, and you value your teachers and who they are as individuals and they really feel like you're listening and they feel heard, that's when a lot of great things can happen. That's when you can go in really powerful directions as a school.
1: Thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Welcome to the Scene to Lead Podcast. I'm Dr. Chris Jones, and the purpose of this podcast is to help listeners create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach. And so today we have Brandon Perry with us as a teacher that's going to help us get to understand a little more as leaders how we can better support, engage, and empower teachers. Brandon's entering his 10th year of education. He recently graduated with his master's in education from Clemson University with a specialization in instructional coaching. Brandon's main area of experience has been directed in the classroom where he's taught fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students in a variety of subjects. He's also been highly involved in making this impact through athletics, specifically through boys' lacrosse. Brandon's also coached tennis, soccer, and golf. I can't wait to hear how he puts some of this stuff together for us um, between athletics and the classroom. So welcome, Brandon. Thanks, Chris. I'm so happy to be here. This is awesome. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm excited about it, especially with your experience. And we had talked earlier about places you've been and the different grades you've taught in athletics. I think it's going to be uh, a valuable show for people to listen to. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Very much looking forward to it. So let me start with this. What do you absolutely love about being a school teacher? You know, for me, I think, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this a lot today, but I think it
0: comes down to the relationships. You know, I'm all about, the reason I got into teaching was my drive to help others and, you know, trying to leave this world a better place whenever, you know, I depart and, um, And I think it comes down to that relationship piece that that's what keeps me coming back, being able to connect with students, um, but also connect with their parents, connecting with colleagues that I work with. You know, as I'm starting to learn kind of expanding my global, you know, PLN network, I
1: think that's kind of the foundation of it all. And that's what I love about. That's cool. You know, what you said, I'm so glad you put parents and colleagues in because part of my my just cause, as I call it, and moving away from the idea of a why is to improve the educational experience for everyone involved. And so that takes relationships like you mentioned. I'm I'm curious. You say you like building those relationships. And, you know, there's a lot of hashtag first three days, stuff like that, where it's uh, and we're actually doing it in my school this year. But um, the beginning of the year is focused on just building those relationships with students. I'm sure you do that, but how, as a teacher, do you continue to carry that through the rest of the year? You know, I think it's a two-way
0: street, and I think that's the important part, whether it's with a colleague, a parent, or a student. You know, I think one way of that street is, is listening and learning who each of those individuals are, whether it's your student or you're, you're connecting with a parent, um, you know, at the end of a day, figuring out who they are, you know, what are their likes and interests? Um, you know, what are they looking to get out of that educational experience? I think the more we know who each person individually is, the more we're able to, to help and kind of, you know, facilitate that process of where we want them to go. And then the other side of that street is, is sharing about who you are as a, as a leader or teacher. So opening up about your interests and, and your likes and dislikes and your educational philosophy and why you do what you do. You know, I think the students greatly connect with it. You know, the teachers, I think your colleagues value, uh, you know, when you're all on the same page. And, and, and I know that parents really gain more respect for you. And it builds that trust, which we know, you know, with parents is is essential because, you know, they're trusting to send their kid to your class or to your school, you know, for eight hours a day, five days a week. And, and you know, that trust has to be there. And I think that two-way street is a great
1: way to build it. That's awesome because I mention at the beginning of every year to parents, a freshman when we talk to them, I say, look, we get it we're asking for a massive amount of trust you're you're entrusting us with your most prized possession, which is your kid so i I get that. I would like to though let me blow it up a little bit, so you talk about doing that throughout the course of the year with students, and I just happened to be brushing up on some instructional leadership stuff earlier, talking about relationships and so forth between leaders and teachers or administrators and teachers, whatever you want to call what's that look like from the teacher's end from your from your perspective, a leader trying to build that relationship and, and build up that trust? How do how do leaders go about that like you do for your students?
0: You know, it's, it's the same, you know, I think, approach. I think part of it has to be organic because, you know, our students are super adept to catching on to things when they're inauthentic or force-fed, and I think teachers are the same way. So, you know, when a leader is trying to kind of force that piece into it you know it feels kind of quirky and awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) and so i think when it's when it's organically uh created is when it really starts to build um whether it's as simple as passing in the hall you know stopping for two minutes and saying hey you know did you see the game last night or hey how's your dog doing i think those little snippets throughout the day you know add up to throughout the week to throughout the month and that's kind of how you start to build that bank of you know trust between the leader and the teacher, and you know with that, I think teachers are more comfortable coming to you with concerns and questions, or even ideas, and looking for
1: suggestions uh, when that bank of trust and, and that relationship is built up. Right, and you know the important part of that is the personal aspect too, not just the professional. I think when we see each other as as whole people, because we especially noticed it this past year in the pandemic that you know people couldn't compartmentalize anymore and so bringing their true sometimes raw authentic selves to school it was really important to have those personal touch points so to speak so that people would come to you because their their concerns and their struggles aren't always aren't always in the classroom yeah absolutely and i think
0: that's been a big part of this year is you know with the whole world in general but we've we've really seen it in education as The struggles and kind of the challenges as educators have gone through, whether it's from the leadership angle, the teachers in the classroom, uh, you know, the the virtual and hybrid and in person. There's so many pieces to it that uh, you know, from a mental health standpoint, we've kind of tried to grapple with. And I think those personal relationships have to be in place so we can help each other. You know, whether it's the leaders, you know, understanding and catching something like, "Hey, I know." You know, Brandon seems a little off today I, I wonder if everything's okay you know outside of school or, or that little stuff I think is is what comes into play when we're dealing
1: with you know challenging circumstances that's great and it and it makes me think when you know we had we had spoken previous a uh, blog post you had written about you know and, and you had listed it as one of your best accomplishments as a teacher and you're you're all about relationships and and how they're key so why don't you Tell the listeners a little bit about that experience and uh, then we can link that blog post up later in the show notes. Yeah, that would be awesome. So it's kind of, you know, in a way it's kind of two stories that connect,
0: Um, you know, so the accomplishment piece comes from recently in a few years ago, um, right, kind of the same year that the pandemic started, I um, was super grateful and fortunate to be given the yearbook dedication and it's voted on by the eighth grade class every year and they, they vote, and they pick somebody to dedicate the yearbook to, and they wrote collectively this really cool little poem, and I was selected, and I was really kind of emotionally, you know, shocked and, and blown away by the power of it, um, and what was so cool about it was this was an eighth grade class that I hadn't taught in two years. I had them as sixth graders, but I, you know, and I had seen them in the school as seventh and eighth graders, and I coached a few of them in golf, but you know, I hadn't had any direct day-to-day constant interaction with them. So, you know, what I learned was that approach, that, that building those relationships and connections and really getting to know them and allowing them get to know me is, I think, kind of ultimately what led them, you know, two years later to, to choose me as that recipient. And I was just so honored and it was a great, you know, way to show kind of how that really is an important piece to the students because sometimes it's hard for them to to demonstrate to you, you know, if it's working or if it matters. And this kind of leads me back to when I first started teaching. It was interesting because as a new teacher, uh, you know, you kind of wander around until you figure out your strategies. And I was very uh, reserved and calculated in how I taught. You know, I didn't really let anything about my personal identity come out. Um, it was just very kind of transactional, like, you know, here's what we're learning today and that's it. And I, you know, working with middle schoolers, uh, you know, they're so awesome in how authentic they are and they're not afraid to be that way. And so they, that two years after I had kind of started teaching, I had a class that was really, um, energetic and really kind of pushed to get to know me. And I stayed, you know, very calculated and and slowly started opening up, you know, in little ways, kind of as the beginning of class or at the end about cool books I was reading or, you know, sports or movies or jumping into what they were talking about that was, was going on. And they really connected with that. And so it led to them, you know, really inquiring about why I was a teacher and pursuing, Uh, you know, getting to know why I was doing what I was doing. What was my why? Uh, And I hadn't shared that to anybody. And so I opened up to him, you know, I I told them how, uh, you know, after I graduated college, I was really fortunate to travel with a leadership school um, in South America and the Patagonian region Uh, really kind of gave me a clarity about what I wanted to do in helping others. And that's kind of how I came up with the idea to pursue education. Um, But when I got back, Two weeks later, my mom passed away on Christmas Day, uh, unexpectedly. And it was a tough scenario to go through. But what it did was it really kind of crystallized my drive to become a teacher and help others and leave an impact on this world. And so I started pursuing that. And that led me into my first job and teaching and, and ultimately led me to that group who was asking about why I was a teacher. And so I shared that story with them. And it was, um, you know, it really resonated with them. I think it gave them a level of understanding about who I was. And it really created that two-way street of, uh, you know, that relationship piece so we could have a great kind of growing community of, of learners and teacher. And then, so that was early in in that year. And as we approached our holiday break, going away for a few weeks um, for the holidays, I was flooded with, notes and cards from that class saying, you know, we know this is a difficult time for you, you know, thank you so much for sharing. We really connected with that. And again, I was just, I was shocked. And so ever since then, I've made it a point to be my, you know, who I am and be authentic with my students and open up with them. And it's allowed them to be authentic and open up with me. And that kind of led me to, to you know, getting that yearbook um,
1: dedication, which was great. What a great story. I can only, you know, I as you were probably about three quarters of the way through it, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, wow, how powerful is that to to share your why with your students? Because sometimes people try to try to put that vulnerability thing in. And like you said before, kind of force it in. And it's not, it's not necessarily authentic, or it's something about, you know, I something light that's not truly attached to a why. And I think, you know, typically I just I just ask what that looks like for leaders working with teachers. But, you know, I, I mean, the answer is so clear that leaders need to identify their why. If they haven't yet, I would hope that they know their why. But leaders need to identify their why in a very public way. And they, they need to do it with their teachers um, so that their teachers understand where they're coming from. And then that builds that relationship. And And there's nothing more authentic, in my opinion, anyways, than, than somebody's why as to what they're doing. Yeah. And that, that's key. And I
0: think, you know, teachers, just like students, connect with that and they relate to it and it, it creates that collective buy-in. You know, I had a great, you know, school administrator early in my career who was like that, who was very transparent, very open, about who they were, you know, why they were doing what they were doing. And in education, you know, we, you would walk into their office and they had lots of, you know, pictures about uh, their family and, um, you know, cool quotes that kind of resonated with them. And they were just very open about it. Uh, and it created that open space to, to share you know, who I was as a teacher with them. And again, that two-way street. So I think, you know, it's, it's super, you know,
1: relatable to that teacher-leader relationship too. I, I love the some of the words you're choosing. I, I really liked two-way street resonated with me because at first glance, right, at face value, you said two-way street, which typically when we hear that in education, a lot of times we think, well, they've got to come to us. We can put out, but they've got to come to us where you're saying it, no, you're asking them to come to you, which means you have to go to them and and then then your word transactional on top of it just really drove it home for me that just really resonated with me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. So, I've got to ask you the other side. I mean, you've got this great story about what went well for you and one of the most important things that happened to you or or exciting things that happened to you. What's a time you didn't do well as a as a teacher? A time you struggled. And um specifically I'm looking for cuz this is about getting um, advice for leaders, right? I'm I'm wondering what a leader could have done to either make that struggle a little easier because we all need to struggle to get better or maybe not even happen at all. Yeah. So
0: I think for me, it's got to be my first year teaching. And I'm sure a lot of teachers <laughs> will probably bring that one up because a lot of
1: people are going to resonate with that.
0: Yeah. You know, your first year, it's, it's awesomely chaotic. You know, you're all over the place. There are a thousand and one things that you do have no idea about, whether it's as simple as like, what's the printer code or as like, how do I enter my grades, you know, that are due tomorrow. And so you kind of scramble through that first year, uh, you know, trying to put all your skills to the test in real time with real students and and with real parents. And so for me, you know, that first year was, it was a struggle. It was hard, uh, you know, to do A lot of the little things, whether it was lesson planning, you know, uh, creating, uh, you know, authentic assessments or entering those grades, all of that little stuff that, you know, now in my 10th year, I don't even think about that stuff anymore. It's just, you know, you just do it. And I think that's what uh, is forgotten. And I think some schools have in place great systems to help with that. But, you know, if you don't, I think that's something to think about is, uh, you know, some sort of a support um, environment or a support system for those early educators or first-year teachers or for really any anybody in the educational, you know, world, uh, a way for them to bounce ideas off of, a safe space to go to, you know, whether it's being paired up with other teachers or, you know, kind of having, you know, weekly debriefs with with leadership and then bouncing ideas off of, you know, I don't know exactly what it could look like, but some sort of a support system. And I think Putting that in place can help those first-year teachers, you know, come to you know that environment and say, "Hey, my grades are due tomorrow. How do I do this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: They, um, you've you've mentioned a lot about relationships, like you said you would in the beginning, which is is key. And you're really big on um, so far what I hear that whole idea of that support piece, making sure that supports are in place for teachers and and how important that is. I want to talk about. So how a leader reflects on making that work, but that's going to be a bigger conversation. So um, I just want to take a quick break. We'll pause for a message from our sponsors, and then we'll come right back and and talk a little bit about leaders reflecting on where they are and, and maybe planning for how they can improve on relationships and supporting those teachers. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the seeing-to-lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, and we're back with Brandon, and we were talking about the idea of building relationships and supporting teachers and something that's really important for all leaders, all teachers, anybody listening to this podcast actually is, is the act of reflecting and spending time reflecting. So, you know, Brandon, if you could give us a couple of things just about how can leaders spend some reflective time or what are some things they can do to make sure that they're either building those relationships or improving those relationships if they're not too good. So that they can make sure they're they're really supporting and engaging their teachers,
0: yeah, you know I think one one great idea and one great way that I've kind of had a positive experience with is is when leaders and administrators are involved in what their teachers are doing, and it can be you know something super simple as popping into the classroom maybe once a week and not always in a formal way, not you know in an evaluatory way, and just like hey what's up how's it going?" Uh, because it gives a chance to you know, show the teacher you know, that you care, that you know what's going on. And it also gives a chance for the leaders to connect with students, um, which I think is an important piece that sometimes is missed. And you know, I think with that, if, there, if possible, trying to find ways to collaborate with teachers. You know, I had one time uh, a few years ago, a team I was working with was trying to implement some, some project-based learning And we had kind of created a separate class for it. And we had a really cool idea. And these kids were working on awesome projects and and different things they were doing. And we actually invited a handful of our administrators to come in kind of towards the end and be a part of the process. Uh, And they, they jumped in and they were happy to do it. And it was awesome because, you know, it gave us as teachers you know, a way to feel better about trying something new and taking a risk because this was something new we were trying. And so we, we felt like, okay, you know, we've got some buy-in here. We feel supported with it. Uh, and the students loved it. They loved kind of sharing and, and, you know, telling our administrators all the cool things that they were doing. So I love that kind of idea of trying to find ways to collaborate. How can leaders get into classrooms, work with their teachers? And I think it's so cool. You know, I recently read a book uh, by a guy named Jocko Willink. He's a Navy SEAL, uh, former Navy SEAL commander. Um, and he does lots of leadership training now with businesses. And, you know, one thing he talks about for leaders is, you know, you have to sometimes be willing to take out the trash and pick up the brass. And he's obviously talking, you know, from a military standpoint, you know, he was comfortable and okay with not being above it all. You know, sometimes he's got to take the trash out. Sometimes he's got to you know, get on the range and help clean up the brass with with his team. And he found, you know, g- great respect he earned by doing that. And I think, you know, that equates to leaders, you know, being able to jump into the classroom, you know, get involved with activities and lessons and planning and collaborating with teachers. And I think that's awesome.
1: That's cool. And, you know, there's so many things that are applicable in leadership. I, good leadership is good leadership, right? So, you know, you mentioned something that is important, or, or what I think I heard you say, and, and just to make sure, what I'm hearing you say is that if leaders are going to reflect on how they improve themselves as far as building relationships and things, they need to reflect on, one, their level of involvement. Are they involved in classes? Are they, are they collaborating with teachers? They also need to reflect on the, the hierarchy of the building they you know, the idea of, oh, well, this boss employee type of thing that doesn't that's not going to fly if you're going to build a good culture. And then the third thing was the the support for risk taking and making sure teachers know that they can take risks. Is that what I'm hearing you pretty much say?
0: Yeah, those those are kind of the three big things, which I think is is critical. You know that the collaboration piece, you know, I've had great experiences with that. And, you know, that part two, that hierarchy, you know, it, it just it doesn't work super well in education, you know, when there's that top-down approach. You know, myself and then, you know, teachers I've worked with in the past, when that is in place, it's hard to take risks, like you were saying. It's hard to, you know, feel empowered and feel engaged. But when you have a feeling of... Um, camaraderie, and like, you're all on the same team, we all have the same goal in mind. Uh, You know, we might be doing different things to get there. You know, that's when it really clicks. And that's when you can do awesome stuff. And, you know, I've had some great leaders in my past where, you know, they were present, they were collaborating with us, you know, didn't feel like a hierarchy of, you know, boss and employee, it was very much a team that we worked on. And I think, that allowed us to give, you know, an unbelievable experience to our students
1: and the families that we work with. That's cool. That's really cool. They, you know, there's also the piece of, and this is always tricky in any school or, or any interaction really with relationship because it's what you hear and what's being said versus what's not being said and what you don't hear. And there's definitely in all three of those areas, a visible part or what we could label an invisible part. And I think it's important that leaders really reflect on what the visible hierarchy is or the visible level of acceptable risk-taking is versus the invisible, because it's out there. It's when you walk into the teacher's lounge and the talking stops. <laughs> you know. Right.
0: Yep. It just ceases. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and even sometimes it's, um, you know, if you're not present a lot, it happens in class. You know, you'll, I've had moments where I'm teaching a class and an administrator hadn't been there all year. And all of a sudden they walk in the room and the student's demeanor changes completely, you know, where they were active and engaged and doing cool stuff. All of a sudden it's like super quiet and hush <laughs> and you know, they feel like I'm being judged and evaluated and, and they don't know how to react. But, you know, vice versa, when, when the leader is in the room all the time, the kids are you know, they're, they're able to be themselves and the teacher's able to be their authentic self. And it's just, it's a natural, you know, process.
1: I am so glad you brought that up because that is such a concrete example of when you know you're not around enough. Yep. (laughs) And you know, I've, Hey, I've, I've done it before. I make a habit of getting into classrooms all the time, but before, you know, or something like that, when there's a lull, I've noticed that when I've gone into a classroom where things get, get hush and it's just. It, you could feel it, <laughs> you know, you can feel the difference.
0: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's definitely, it's palpable, it's
1: crazy. So, you know, we're almost to the end of this. Um, and and I just got to thank you again, I mean, you've been given some great information for for leaders to think about, but um, I've got two questions I ask every guest. And um, the first one is about you. The second one is about the people listening to this. And I say too, but I usually get caught up in asking some follow-up questions. So the first one. If you were not a teacher, who, not what, would you be and why? So
0: I would not be who I am now and where I am now. Uh, You know, who I am as a person has very much been shaped by this journey I've been on in education. Uh, You know, it started as this idea of wanting to help others. And I remember when I, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, when I first started my, my journey in education, I, there wasn't really anybody I knew within my friend group doing that. I had a lot of friends going to work in New York and to Washington, D.C., and they were getting, you know, business jobs and, and, you know, going to law school. And when I said, you know, hey, I'm going to be a teacher, you know, it was kind of a, a funny interaction. They, you know, they said, you're going to do what? <laughs> You know, so it was, uh, it was kind of like, I kind of went against the grain a little bit. Um, but, you know, my heart just said, you know, I want to help others. I've had amazing educators in my life that have really impacted who I am. And I want to go down this road and, you know, travel down this this journey of teaching. Uh, and so I kind of jumped into it. And it's really created me for who I am because it's it's allowed me to grow into that idea of helping others and and finding a meaningful way to do it, and ultimately, I think that's what life is all about. Um, you know, we're only here for a short while, and you know, the relationships we build and how we help you know build others
1: up is is what it's all about. And, you know, that's such that's such a pure intent um, for entering the educational profession, and 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 I, and I don't mean to, that to sound small or or anything like that. I I really. Honestly, mean that because oftentimes you see people getting into teaching because school was comfortable for them. You know, school's got school's got a kind of a game to it, and there are students that perform very well in school, and so then they go to college and they perform very well in college, and they get out and they say, "Hey, well, I'm comfortable here and I perform well in it," and they go right into school, um, right into teaching. And then there are those that don't, and they kind of find their way to teaching for different reasons. So I, I just think that's a phenomenal reason for entering the profession.
0: Yeah, I've loved it. It's been, you know, an awesome 10 years. And I, I am just so excited for, you know, how many more years I have left, you know, to keep kind of pursuing and doing it. It's in, I love how every year is different. Every day is different. You know, you come in and, and every day is is something new and exciting and and challenging and fun about it. And
1: so I love it. Yeah, that's, and it definitely is different. You nailed that on the head. Every Every day is something new. You must just get some fantastic joy from those times where, you know, a student says, hey, Mr. Perry, you know, can you show me how to do this? And you're able to adjust it according to their learning style or or anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, I think, and, you know, that that's that relationship piece. But, you know, being able to differentiate between students and helping each of them, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a... You know, every teacher knows this, but there's a look on a student's face when something clicks or when, you know, they get something or they've learned something new. And when you can kind of facilitate that and they look up and they have that look, you know, it's it's the coolest thing in the world when they're like, oh, my gosh, I get that. That's so cool. Or they're excited to to dig into something new and research something. It's so awesome to have them kind of run with that individually. And, you know, that's, I think, what brings a lot of us teachers back for more.
1: That's great stuff. So next one is the golden nugget. This is where you're going to, you know, take all this 10 years of wisdom, a couple of different states and pour it into others. How's that sound? Maybe, maybe you'll get that look on some administrator's face or some leader's <laughs> faces when they listen to this. How's that sound? So that sounds great. All right. So put it all together. What's the most important piece of advice you'd give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers in their care?
0: It's got to be relationships. I think it all comes down to that. And we've talked about it a lot today. But, you know, I just, we can't hammer that point home enough because that is the linchpin to a community and to a culture. And when that's not there, it's really hard to be a successful school and it, it just feels very forced and almost like pulling teeth. And so I think when you start with that in mind and you value your teachers and who they are as individuals and they really feel like you're listening and they feel heard, that's when a lot of great things can happen. That's when you can go and really powerful directions as a school and that is you know i think the biggest piece you know when when you're present you're around you're in the classrooms you're working with teachers almost like a differentiated leadership approach between each of your teachers knowing who they are differentiating with each one of them to meet their learn their teaching styles you know that is where those relationships build the trust comes into play and, you know, you can do phenomenal things with all of
1: that. I just, you know, for people that are listening to this because it's not a video, I just gave Brandon a huge thumbs up. Talk about a mic drop, a differentiated style of leadership. You know, we ask teachers to do that. Leaders ask teachers to do that. And then we expect a one size fits all with our teachers. How do we do that? You know, people are yeah, individuals. absolutely. You gotta, you know, that's a cool,
0: it's a cool idea, you know, being able to differentiate And, you know, we as teachers, it's sometimes hard to do, you know, trying to match the needs of each of your students. And sometimes it's different levels and it's a lot of, you know, planning and programming to do it. But I think that's key for leaders because that one size fits all doesn't work when you're dealing with teachers from all over different grades and different backgrounds. And so differentiating to each one of them, you know, to who they are and what their needs are, you know, I think it could be powerful.
1: You know, one of the things that um, I used to do when I was in the classroom, and I've done it a couple of times as a leader with staff, is after we we talk about something in, in a larger concept or a bunch of little things, what we'll do is I, I call it a headline. Um, and I'd love to say I it was my idea. It wasn't. I'm not that creative. Um, it's out of Project Zero from Harvard, and, and it's one of their thinking routines. Um, you make a headline out of stuff to show you can synthesize it. One just keeps coming to mind listening to you talk today. And it's... Um, the difference between climate and culture in a building is the quality of the relationships that are there. I love that. So I did, did you, Hey, it's yours. It's not mine. It's yours. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, I mean, just everything you say, because there's definitely a difference between climate and culture. And, and that's the first thing that people have to realize, but then, you know, that lasting culture, the quality of that is going to be exactly the same as the quality of relationships that a leader has built with their staff, and you know of course that goes down to students, so I think that's fantastic
0: yeah, no, I love that that's such a cool, cool phrase you kind of put together there it's awesome
1: well you you had the one before about differentiated leadership, so we'll have to we'll have to share those two yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we're we're at the end of the show here um you said you've said a, a lot of great things and you've said some things that I'm sure people might want to know more about. So what's the best way to get a hold of you?
0: Yeah. So I, um, I've recently kind of started getting super involved on Twitter. Um, so my Twitter handle is BLPerry3. And I think Chris, I think you'll put it in the, uh, in the, the link there. And then I also just started a blog, you know, I've never done it before. Uh, I figured, you know, I can throw a few ideas out there and if, you know, one person likes it, that's awesome. And You know, my wife reads them and she loves them. So maybe that's my one person, but (laughs) it's out there. You know, I talk a lot about relationships, a little bit about mental health. Um, You know, I have some first year teacher tips on there Uh, and who knows, you know, what else I'll add in the future. But, you know, I think you'll link to that blog there, too. But
1: those are kind of the two great ways you can get in touch with me. Perfect. I'll put those in. Um, Definitely get people reading your your blog and hey, don't you know. No shame in your game with uh, your wife reading everything you do and and being your cheerleader because mine does too. So she's yeah she's been she's been awesome. So yeah she my my wife's a seventh and eighth grade teacher as well and so she tells me when I'm on with something or when I'm not so much on with something. So it's helpful. That's
0: awesome. What a great partnership. You guys can like
1: I mean bounce ideas off of each other and that's awesome. Oh, I, you know what I can't tell you the amount of times where we're sitting there at night and. I'll say, Hey, so I'm going to send this out because, you know, I want, um, I I want to try and get this, this, this and done and I'll read it to her and I'll either get, yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, I'll get the kind of the one raised eyebrow. Like if I were to get that from my principal, I'd be like, what? And she does the same, (laughs) (laughs) something will happen in her school. And she'll say, Hey, administration did this. Why, why do they do that? And I'll say, well, they were probably thinking this, 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 or this. So it, it does work out for us. That's awesome. What a great partnership there. That's great. Yeah. We, we try not to do it too much. We definitely block off, uh, you know, family time versus work life, but, uh, it is so good to have an honest, authentic, to use that word again, teacher opinion that I can balance things Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which is good. You know, my wife and I, we do that a little bit. She's, um, she's a clinical pharmacist. So she's in the medical world, but we talk about leadership a lot where we'll come back and I'll do the same thing and say, Hey, I had an administrator do this and she'll say, wow, I've never had a boss do that. Or, oh, that's good leadership and vice versa. She'll say, oh, I had, you know, another doctor or leader do this. And I'll say, oh, we don't do that in schools, you know, like, (laughs) so it's a cool little back
1: and forth there. Yeah. Hey, everybody, everybody needs that. They need that one person in their life, right? Absolutely. So, well, you know, Brandon, um, like I said, uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. You you, you dropped some good golden nuggets there. And um, we got a couple new phrases that I'll definitely have to borrow, as we like to put it in the field. Absolutely. And we'll go from there. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed talking to you today. Yes, Chris. Thank you so much. Very grateful for the opportunity. Uh, all right. Have a great day. You too. Well, that's a wrap but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, Email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world class environment through a teacher centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve. And go have a successful week.